All right. Well, hello there. Welcome to a very special Mother's Day edition of the Deadly Analysis podcast. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, what we do here is we select well-made, uh, often recent horror films and talk about why they scare us. Uh, one could say we get raw with each other as we open up and delve into our various fears. And tonight's film was my selection, which uh, is the 2016 French horror film Raw. And it seems like we've been on kind of like a French film bender recently with Martyrs last week, we did Climax and some others. Not entirely sure why that is. One could say, uh, I can't exactly put my finger on why that is. Uh, so Raw, Raw, nothing like a good old fashioned story of sisterly cannibalism to get the blood flowing, am I right? Um, hey, by the way, what does a cannibal do after he dumps his girlfriend? Anybody know? He wipes his ass. So. Raw tells the story of Justine. Now, Justine is a first-year veterinary student and her elder sister is studying the same course at the university. Uh, Justine was apparently raised in a very, uh, a very strict vegetarian uh, diet growing up, but as part of the hazing ritual at this school, she's forced to eat meat. I think it's a rabbit kidney in film. And this has um, adverse effects let's say, eventually culminating in, in, in an insatiable craving for meat, particularly human flesh. Uh, so, great, great movie, great concept, very PG-esque, we can tell. Uh, so I chose this film and I'm gonna tell you why I absolutely love this horror movie. It's one of my favorites, in case you can't tell by Justine looking at me behind me over her. That, that's, that's her right there. No, that's the witch, there we go, that's her right there. Uh, so look, I tend to gravitate towards horror films that have like one of three specific elements in them. They either force the viewer to consider their own finitude. So like in other words, death as a concept, you know, is a large part of the movie. I like horror movies like I love horror movies that do that, that talk about those things that make you think about those things. I gravitate towards familial horror films also. These are movies that often play with or even reverse what we commonly take to be our closest relationships, our family. But then I also enjoy horror movies that tell a story of becoming, like becoming a monster, becoming something other, transition, right? And transition is a large part of this horror film and it's a large part of horror films that I enjoy. In fact, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, all of the three horror films behind me sort of have that element in it. Uh, the Witch, Let the Right One In, and Raw. There's a similar thread of, of adolescence, puberty transition, a lot of stuff going on that's that's similar in these movies, although they're very different sorts of horror films. Um, so I like Raw though, specifically because it's one of the most extreme examples of transition. Like what's more taboo than a person, you know, becoming consumed with the eating of human flesh or maybe even mixing uh, sexual expression with the consumption of human flesh, which we see in this movie. It's, it's sort of unthinkable, right? It's forbidden. It's taboo. And what this film does really well is, I, I think, is that it navigates the profane within the context of a person burgeoning sexually, right? Like what's okay, what's off limits? This is all new, right? Like how do I reconcile these strange new desires within the broader cultural context in which I find myself, right? There's a struggling with one's own nature in this movie. Um, and I dig that and it seems to be a fundamental part of this movie. Um, and I think that's something to far lesser extremes we all experience at some point in our lives. Um, <clears throat> as I've said previously, I think 
good horror films, regardless of the subgenre, take very basic components of the human experience and then very eloquently shroud them in layers of fear, right? They cloak very fundamental components of the human experience in a good, scary story. Um, you know, good horror films to me ask fundamental questions. That's at the core of a quality horror movie uh, that's gonna last and be remembered. And to me, this is one of those films that has that. Um, and then with like strictly within the confines of traditional horror, this is probably the only body horror film that I really get something out of. That's typically not my thing. Um, there are things in this movie that just gross me the fuck out. Uh, you think they gross me out, wait till we get to Jim. All right, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, there's just things in this movie that are absolutely uh, absolutely disgusting. Close-ups of skin being peeled, the nibbling of severed fingers, drinking blood, ripping off of pubic hair. It's what I suspect we're all gonna be doing when we finally hang out in person. All of the Deadly Analysis co-hosts. Like that's, yeah, I've said it before and I'll say it again, Jim, when we meet, save the pubic hair because it's coming off. Like when we meet, it's just, we're it's being ripped off. So save it, just gonna, just gonna throw that out there. Um, don't, I, this is again one of those situations where I don't know how to segue out of Jim's pubic hair. I feel like that always comes up, and I don't know how to segue out of that story of my life. Um, in any event, uh, so so like to put somewhat of a personal spin on this, Jim did this a little bit with with his film Annihilation. I, I kind of want to do that too. I'll start by kind of doing that a little bit after we talk about pubic hair. This is a weird podcast. I don't know how we even get away with this. Um, so I. I, I know that I've probably talked about this to death elsewhere, but there was a time in my life when I was very religious, right? Like I was contemplating seminary and I was looking into philosophy and theology programs. I taught apologetics at church. I led Bible studies. I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. I waited till I was married to have sex. I was very, very straight edge. And I thought that I had a real grasp on the world and, and my place in it, right? That was my vegetarianism. That was my veterinary school, as it were, right? And then because reasons, I'll leave it at that, I I lost my faith, I became an, a nihilist, you know, the nihilist, antinatalist, pro-mortalist, atheist, heathen that you see before you today. And in that transition, especially since I had to keep it all in for a very long time, I couldn't tell this to my family or really even my wife for a while, there was a sense in which I had this very real internal struggle that, um, that uh, would I have to come clean about to the community I was a part of would have been profane and forbidden and taboo, right? Like to my community, to my peers, to my family and to my friends who are all evangelicals, to tell them I no longer believed in God was tantamount to a huge social taboo. It's a very wicked thing. It's not cannibalism per se, right? But, um, you know, the desire to be who I think I really am, right? And, uh, you know, then all of these things that I once considered to be vices, bad things, sinful things, I had to sort of reconsider for myself with without the the narrative of Christianity, right? I had to sort of find my own ethics and reassess my <laughs> reassess the straight edgery that I once dedicated myself to. And since then, I've noticed like in myself an appreciation for movies that offer me a very large journey, like a really violent journey where the band-aid, gets ripped off as it were, you know, at one point you were way over here. And then suddenly by the end of the movie, the protagonist is all the way over here. And this is one of those movies, right? Like at the beginning of this movie, Justine is a virgin, she's a vegetarian. And by the end, she's a cannibal who bites off human flesh while she's fucking people like huge transition guys, huge transition, right? So I like, I like the idea of 
radical self-realization, right? And transition, even at the expense of everything you hold dear, even at the expense of social, uh, you know, social mores, I guess. Um, even if it's wildly profane and vice-ridden and taboo, and that is raw, that's raw to me. Um, so that's sort of my little opening spiel. Uh, what did you guys think of the movie? I, I suspect that this may be a fairly polarizing movie to us. I'm really curious to know what you guys think. I could be wrong. Um, but look, anything's better than Martyrs last week. So who the fuck knows? Uh, you know, what did you guys, like just general thoughts. What did you guys think of Raw? Did anyone eat while they were watching it? Looking at you, Jim. Looking yeah, at you. I did. It was a horrible mistake. It was awful. Yeah, uh, the first time I saw this, I saw this when it came out, not long after it came out, um, when it came out on, on uh, streaming, and uh, you had recommended it, and I always watch movies while I eat. Uh, it's just kind of, it's the it's it's my normal thing. And uh, when she bit into the raw chicken breast, that was, I think, the first time I, I gagged and almost vomited. And then when she eats her her sister's finger, uh, that got me both times. Uh, I, I I I literally munch came up. Um, so I it's just one of my triggers, uh, like non food things or even like semi food things entering the mouth. And then when she oh god, the, when she pulls the hair out of her, yeah, I, I that got me both times as well. Uh, both times I've watched this movie, it uh, that that caused me to gag, and so it, keep going. You're you're turning me on. Keep going. I'm wanna... so happy keep, yeah. that that's yeah. that's one of your kinks. No, I, you should really get that looked at. Um, but I so that's it. it you're right. I, I I've got to for me the struggle about this film is um, balancing its objective quality versus my subjective experience with it. I know that my reactions to the this movie are primarily as a result of sort of an idiosyncratic um, uh, disgust at watching mouth shit. Uh, and that's <laughs> essentially what the, the, this is. Uh, that So I, I've got to balance the idiosyncratic reaction to that versus the um, uh, versus the objective quality, and so I think objectively the film is is good. It's a strong metaphorical. Um, it, well, I, actually, my my complaints with the film have to do with its metaphorical representation of sex and sexuality. Uh, but it's it, it's doing a metaphor fairly competently, um, and it's it's got a a good character story. Um, something that, that we could take literally and see a character's journey over the course of, as you articulated over the course of the film. So I think, um, objectively it's, it's quite good, uh, in addition to, uh, serving to, to trigger my, my gag reflex, which I, I'm curious how, I'm curious how the disgust adds to your rating or takes it away. Like I, you, you separated the idea of like what it viscerally did to you physically when you were watching it. <clears throat> but I'm curious if that becomes part, like, is that a pro? Is that a good thing when you watch a horror movie that it does this to you? Like, or like, did that, did that weigh yeah. heavily or just, just you're separating it entirely? I am trying to separate it entirely. Let's put it this way. I don't ever want to watch this movie again. 
Um, so that's in terms of rewatchability. This is this is a zero on a on a, a ten scale. I would not want to watch this re movie ever again. Uh, same thing with Antichrist. So the, both of those films I saw twice just because of this podcast. So Aww. fuck you. Again. Um, <laughs> I yeah I I I don't want to watch it again. And so that. I am trying to separate it because I don't think it's fair to the film to say this film disgusts me and therefore it's a one out of five. Like that's not that's not fair to the yeah. film and it's not yeah. fair to our viewers and it's not fair to you. It's not fair to anybody. Um, and this is a type of visceral disgust that I don't necessarily want to explore or necessarily want to um, invite uh, because it is simply just my stomach churning that's not that's not the informative type of fear that we're talking about on this Correct. podcast that's Correct. just a a i saw i it's the same reason that i won't watch pink flamingos you know she eats a piece of shit and i don't want to why would i want to watch that it doesn't i don't want to watch that uh so i i it's not fair to the the it's not fair to the art form to have my personal disgust uh, enter into my rating. Well, I was gonna, um, I was gonna ask you what rating you gave to Two Girls One Cup, but now I know. So yeah, I've never seen that. I uh, I have no desire to watch that. I don't suggest it at all. I, I have <laughs> no. There's why would I do that? That's not. It would probably be higher than the Lobster, though. Sorry, I'm think? just thinking out loud. Anyway, no, yeah, I don't yeah. Think so. I don't think that that's a thing. You're right, though. You're right, though. It's it's an equivalent to that viscerality is the equivalent to a kind of knee-jerk reaction to jump in a movie. You know what I mean? Like, it happens to yeah. you in that sense. <laughs> it's, a, it's a jump scare, which is the... It's, it's the equivalent of a jump scare, and jump scares are cheap unless they're used strategically within uh, the film to modify how tension gets built. Um but as a as a whole, I, I it's not a uh, I I think that we'll spend this amount of time talking about talking about it, and then I'll try to avoid my my own visceral reaction to this movie throughout the rest of it because it doesn't it's it is fundamental to how I interacted with the movie, but it shouldn't be fundamental to how I review the film. So that's I I kind of want to weigh in on that a little bit. I think last time whenever we did martyrs this is this is actually quite apropos because i made the argument that the movie had to be analyzed and sort of rated as a whole as opposed to breaking up an, into different pieces that are either good or not good um but i do like this distinction you're making i i do think it's interesting and i, I do really think it's informative because those those types of like elements um in films that we do have extreme visceral reactions to obviously everyone is kind of on a sliding scale as to how potent those are and I think sometimes essentially having those in a film for a particular person can be like, you can't really taste the coffee for the cream and the sugar. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just a little overwhelming for that particular person. Um, so there is a distinction that has to be made there. And I think it's important to really talk about that. Like, you know, here's, here's this part that evokes these things for me. And it's pretty common for horror films, but then here's all the other stuff going on. But I would argue that at the end of the day, um, it, I, I don't know, like I'm still all about the package deal. I'll say. 
Yeah, I uh, I see like what you guys are getting at too with the the martyrs and the raw. Like, um, I, I think it is important to bring these things up because we just discussed uh, this body horror stuff and was it necessary? And um, I guess the argument could be made that in martyrs it was necessary to have all that mutilation because when they watered it down, it was really lame. But then does that mean that it's necessary? Not necessarily, right? <laughs> and so like, does it fit in with storyline? Does it fit in with the beginning, middle and end? Does the beginning, middle and end fit together properly? Like these are these are the ways to assess these things. And and um, at, at the end of the day, her eating raw chicken, her coughing up hair, I had no reaction from that. But I also worked at a vet clinic for two years and I worked at a preschool for four years. And I've seen a lot of disgusting stuff, so I don't, it didn't affect me. I've seen, uh, you know, giant cysts opened up on a dog and all this stuff, like pus and blood and stuff spilling out. I've had to rip stuff out of people's throats. I've had to cut things open. I've had to deal with cadavers of, of you know, dead loved ones. Um, like I've, I've dealt with all different kinds of the stuff that makes people's skin crawl and, and you know, I guess those kinds of things just don't have that effect on me. I remember when I first started working at the vet clinic, though, I remember puking a couple of times. <laughs> it it definitely happened. But eventually, like, OK, yeah, yeah. You, you cut open animals, you know, and you just get used to the smell and the look, you know. That's what's odd and idiosyncratic about this, though, is I worked as a paramedic for two years and I've seen all kinds of awful body horror shit, you know, a, a, you know, man versus train at one stage. And that was, that didn't really get to me. Like I didn't, I didn't have the same visceral reaction. It's only like she's eating her hair or taking her hair out of her mouth. Like that's, that's what gets me. Um, you, you know, you said in the chat, like somebody was eating pizza or something and, it's like we should have you eat in front of that would just make me want to have some of the pizza except i'm a pescatarian so i won't eat the meat on the pizza so like it's it's just this weird kind of non-food items going into the mouth that that it's it's a weird thing that that's what my trigger is that's very interesting um but yeah, I mean, I guess uh, going back to what you were saying, Ben, are you saying that I should include my disgust in my overall rating of the film? Because if so, I don't think that'll make Noah very happy. I think that you should work it into how you rate the film in a reasonable way. So here, here's the distinction I make. And I actually, I worked at a veterinary, veterinary clinic for like a year or two. So maybe that's why I don't have like that same visceral reaction. But the distinction I'm going to make between like the weird body horror stuff in this movie versus like martyrs, for instance, is that I, I feel like in this movie you could take it and it's interesting. And it's like, I, I feel like it's well done. I don't know. It's, it's interesting for the movie, but it could also be taken as a metaphor. Like it really doesn't necessarily have to literally be cannibalism if you don't want it to. And because of that, I think it's more interesting than just having cannibalism for cannibalism's sake. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the mark of a good zombie film almost. It's like, are you having the undead come back to life to eat people because it's it's icky or because it says something a little deeper about like a, a social commentary or some kind of like sickness that we have as like a populist or like, you know, I, I don't know, like group mentalities or something like that. You know what I mean? So it's like it really just kind of like depends on how it's used. And in this movie, I think they used, once again, that violent element for a really interesting thematic um, story based purpose. Hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think the metaphorical interpretation of this film is a little bit, I, I have a little bit of questions about it, but I think that that's where the film, uh, you know, there's, there's some strengths to the movie making and you can certainly tell that this has a, uh, a, a strong voice, both as a writer, as a director and all the uh, artists involved. It, it works really well. Um, I just have this idiosyncratic thing that when somebody's pulling their pulling hair out of their mouth, I, uh, uh, I, I, I vomit my lunch. So fun. Um, but yeah, I, I let's, let's kind of talk we, since we sort of skirted around this metaphorical interpretation, um, a little bit, let's kind of talk about this. You know, you were, uh, I think you're right when you talk about this as a metaphor for sexuality. Um, and how she discovers her appetites, both literal as they relate to uh, flesh and, and meat, um, and uh, discovers her desire for, for sex as well. Um, that, but doesn't that, I, and I think, that's the, I think that's the correct metaphorical interpretation of this thing. But then by, equating sex to cannibalism um not only are you dealing with some of the things that you spoke about about how within certain communities sex sex and sexuality is taboo but you're also like cannibalism is not something that she enjoys she's not um happy about being a cannibal she's not happy about like that's that's not it may be a becoming but it's a becoming that she is actively resisting throughout the entire action of this film even though that even though her appetites do overtake her so doesn't that take a very sex what's the opposite of sex net positive um sex negative view of sex and sexuality i mean isn't that kind of what this film is is exploring um, they, can I can I weigh in a little bit on on my perspective on this? Yeah. Um, I think it has to do with the repression, maybe um, the fact that the parents raised her as a vegetarian and to like spit out her food if she likes meat and all that stuff. And um, one of the things that I discovered from my transition of a very fundamentalist household to being the person I am today is um, having parents that are constantly telling you, no, don't do this. It, it, it makes you a lot more carnal and crazy with some of your life choices and, and maybe makes it makes you do something that you wouldn't normally even be drawn to do, except for now it's like a form of rebellion. Maybe that's part of it triggering you when you're, you know, in the teenage years, but also maybe just uh, the taboo now. It's like, ooh, this is naughty. I'm being naughty. Ooh. I don't know. Like, there's got to be those kinds of things bubbling to the surface here. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot going on here, right? So, on to hop on your note, Shayra, real quick. Um, there's a there's a sense in which asceticism, like denying oneself particular things, only doubles down the desire for those things. <laughs> right. It's very again something very Nietzschean. Um, but uh, and that is, I th you can definitely draw that from this movie. Um, to answer your question, Jim, I don't think it's a sex and negative movie in the sense that we're being we're being given a, a, a woman's confrontation with her own sexuality. They're they're showing a struggle, right? 
And I think it actually, so I gotta be careful how I say this, I think this movie is actually a layer deeper than sexuality. I think that's a huge part of the movie, but I think I think underneath that is something even more fundamental than uh, burgeoning into a, being a sexual person. And that is maybe confronting um, one's own nature and things that one sees in a sexual context, sure, um, that one does not like about oneself. Um, so carnality, right? Like, like there's a lot of mirrors in this movie. Right? like looking back at oneself. Uh, the primary tool and thing we see all over this movie is autopsy, autopsy of dogs, autopsy of different animals. There's a cutting open looking inside element in raw. So there's, it's, it's the movie is saying look inward, right? And it, it, it's it, to that extent, it's larger than just sexuality. Um, think of the scene where, uh, you know, she walks into that room and she gets paint thrown on her. I think she has blue paint and someone else has, um, yellow paint, right? And there's a quote, I think I wrote it down here, um, where, uh, shit, where is it? Uh, oh, don't come back until you're green. Don't come back till you're green. And which, which the idea is you're, you have these two conflict, you have conflicting components to yourself. Don't come back until you reconcile them. One's blue, one's yellow, mix them, come out of that. Don't come out of that room until there's reconciliation, right? So. Like there's a lot of that all over this movie. There's a lot of inside stuff going on. So, um, you know, I think to answer your question, the film is showing us a struggle, like an internal struggle uh, with this woman's sexuality and being a virgin and desire and carnality. There's a lot going on here, a lot sexual, but a lot that even exists outside of sexuality. Um, so I wanna say it's maybe a layer deeper than sexuality. I certainly don't think it's sex negative at all. Um, so I, I think it's just a, I think to answer your question, it's just highlighting a struggle, like an internal struggle that our character is having. And then we should probably think of how the movie ends. Um, actually, right. you know what, before, was where yeah. I was gonna go next. Yeah, cause but, the, the, the ending may be one of the, mm, one of the interesting ways to counter my interpretation of this movie. I think we'll, um, I kind of want to hold off before we get there, but um, you know, think uh, I mentioned this earlier, think of the mirror scene in this movie. Um, I Ben knows this because I've posted a million times on like my Facebook, but this is like one of my favorite scenes, the scene where she's dancing in front of the mirror to that like horrible song. That is one of my favorite scenes in any horror film ever made. Um, I love that scene. And just prior to that scene, I don't know if you noticed this, the camera slowly pans into like a dead dog on an autopsy table in which the covering uh, that was on top of the dog just sort of falls off and it's the wind or whatever, but you get to see like the grotesque horror of what lies beneath the sheet as it were, right? This mangled dead dog. And in much the same way, the camera will then fade into Justine dancing in front of that mirror. And the idea is like the sheet is about to come off for her too, right? Like there's, um, you know, she's there seducing herself in the mirror. Again, a mirror being a tool of reflection, seeing oneself. And she's dancing to the most obscene and aberrant song one can imagine, right? Like the lyrics are about fucking corpses and coke and anthrax and edging blowjobs and like all manner of sick shit that you can fit into two minutes. It's a vile song that mixes different types of carnality into like one singular ethos. Um, one that Justine dances to, as it were, right? It's very metaphorical here. And that's the point, right? The point is, reconciling all the sick shit you have inside of you, right? It may not, it may be out, it may be sans sexuality, maybe deeper than sexuality, like looking into the mirror and learning to dance to those things, right? There's um, 
an embracing component here. Maybe, and this is maybe where we'll disagree about what, the message of this movie, right? But I think we can at least agree there's a transformation of sorts here, right? Like for Justine, this is the scene, the mirror scene where she finally decides to give in to the something other, right? In this case, being, being a cannibal essentially, right? Like who she is before this scene and who she is after are two very different people. And I like the idea, although it's somewhat heavy handed in the movie, that the line of demarcation was the mirror, right? Like looking at oneself and dancing to one's own darkness. Um, and, you know, although I don't personally condone cannibalism, I know that may be hard to believe, if there is any normative component I'm a fan of here, it's like the journey inward, right? And the potential to come out the other side as something radically different in virtue of accepting something you previously couldn't about yourself, right? In this movie, it's cannibalism, but I think the social payoff here may be that people journey inward and come out on the other side gay or an atheist or trans or any other manner of like a radical conversion to what they once used to be, uh, once uh, what they once took to be very fearful or vice-ridden, right, and, and taboo. So that's why I love this scene, right? Like that's, I. so I think that answers your question. Like it may be something a little more expansive than just sexuality. It does, but there's no, I don't see embracing in this movie. Uh, I see uh, resisting, I see a descent, a descent that is resisted, and even in the final shot of the film, and um, the final moment of the film, we hope that you can find a solution to this. That's embracing. That's embracing. Like he's like, look, I I live with your mom. I'm still married to her. We make it work. Here's all my scars. To me, that's an embrace. That's this is who you are. Here's what happens when you're with someone to which this is the carnality you have inside you. We've made it work. I hope you can make it work too. It's not like we need to lock you up too, because you're. I need to take my wife because she's a cannibal, and I need to take her daughters because they're cannibals and lock them away. It's it's. We hope you can make it work. Like that is literally what people hear when they come out as gay. Like, hey, look, we we love you. Make it work. Like, I this is who you are, mm -hmm. right? That's to me an embrace. It's not a denial. It's an acceptance. I I took that to be a radical acceptance. I took that to be. Uh, him revealing himself to be... It, see, I, I read the scene completely opposite okay. that you did. Okay. I, I don't see him... Uh, his face is, is clearly horrified, and that's meant to be a shocking moment. That's meant to be a moment that we're to read as, oh, shit, she's got what her mother has. And it it becomes this this almost disease that got passed down from mother to daughter, and the his monologue before that is not like we like oh yeah then I realized that she was gay and so that now we just have to make it work like I it's I realized that she likes to eat me and I we still somehow made it work and we tried this thing of making you vegans uh, throughout your entire childhood and that didn't work. Your uh, your desire still sort of uh, burst through. We tried that. Maybe you can find a solution, meaning maybe you can stop eating people. Uh, I, wow. We took that. We took this very I, differently. Yeah. That was my, that was my reading of mm. this. And maybe I need to go back and look at the text again, but uh, that 
that that that's how I read the ending. And I I don't know what what well, what did you guys think? Could that's we, interesting. Could we look at this more of like a subtext thing? Because uh, one of the things that I love about the dialogue of Quentin Tarantino films is they'll be talking about something that seems completely unrelated to the actions that are going on around you because there's some kind of a subtext underlying it, uh, like in *Inglorious Bastards when uh, he's sitting there talking to the Nazi dude and he's talking about rats in the floorboards and stuff like that. He's talking about vermin, but we know that the underlying subtext is that he's talking about Jewish people. And, um, and there's some real power when you look at that subtext. So we have to try to figure out what the subtext of the cannibalism is um, and figure out what they're trying to imply. And uh, like, in my mind, I think it has possibly something to do with, uh, sure, instincts and, and maybe some like carnal stuff, but it could also have to do with, um, you know, mental health issues or possibly hurting and harming others around you when you have those mental health issues, including your family members, including your partners. And maybe it was passed on to the kids and that could be a very traumatic thing. I know a lot of parents get concerned about that. This is one of the reasons why my husband doesn't want to have children because he doesn't want to pass on any, you know, issues through his DNA. So, I mean, it could have something to do with you know, those kinds of things. I mean, I'm not sure what you guys have read into what the subtext is, though. I mean, there's there's so many possibilities. Well, what do you well, what do you think specifically, Sharon? I'm curious, what do you think about the end? Is there is there a is is it um is there an embracing and acceptance of <laughs> Justine's cannibalism? Or is it more like is it more positive or negative? I guess that's sort of being like what Jim and I are asking. Is it more of an acceptance? I, I guess I have a very different view than both of you then. Mm. Uh, I don't see it as like, yay, this is this is fine. We gotta embrace stuff, we gotta move through, or or even a negative, like this is just horrible that I'm in this fear feared place. It's life sucks. And we fall in love with people and, you know, we, we have our connections with people and sometimes things can hurt you. And just like, he was just hoping so it's more that utility. she could find her path. So it's yeah. more utility. Like, it's I hope more, that you figure this out. Yeah. It's more make it, it's more make it work. It's, it's sort of benign, make it work utility sort of. Mm, interesting. It, it seemed very utilitarian. And I mean, honestly, we all live through pain. We all struggle with parts of life. We all go through stuff. This is probably just more of a physical manifestation of, of the scars that we deal with, um, sometimes from personal, interpersonal relationships and things like that. So, I mean, he's basically saying, yeah, I have the scars. Um, we've managed to figure out how to make it work. And I'm guessing that has something to do with uh, trying to be vegetarian. <laughs> um, but maybe repression isn't the thing that works and maybe they need to figure out a new path. Maybe he's like, ah, oh, you know, I hope you can figure out a path, <laughs> you know, like this worked for mom, but maybe it won't work for you. I don't know. You're, you're the tiebreaker, Ben. You're the, <laughs> yeah, no, you're the I, I think actually I, I kind of agree with all of you. I don't think the, the viewpoints you have are as contentious as they might seem on the surface. Um, so I, you know, I do think that even just, okay. Thinking about the end of the movie in the context of the beginning, um, in the very beginning of the movie, of course, Justine is with her parents and they take her to the university and they're in that parking lot and they drop her off and drive away. Um, I think that's a fantastic way to start the film because it's really sort of um, a good way to summarize, I think, what happens to all of us at some point in our lives or maybe most of us. You know, there is this point when 
you sort of break into kind of like adulthood mode. It, it happens at some point to, to everyone, you know, it's not clear to in like in the same kind of demarcation, like you might see in a film when it happens, but it happens. And when that happens, there's a lot of new stuff in the world and a lot of new stuff about ourselves that suddenly we are exposed to and we learn about. And I do agree that, you know, in this film, I think there, there are many layers that can be taken here, but I don't necessarily see it as like a specific subtext or, you know, obviously in this particular journey, there's a lot about um, like social relationships. There's a lot about psychology, but it can almost be taken as a kaleidoscope where you can, you can sort of replace those things with any of the impulses that we learn that we have as we become familiar of our familiar with ourselves as like fully formed adults. You know, there's lots of stuff. It's kind of a Pandora's box. You never really know what you're going to get when you look inside of it, when you start like having to control yourself and sort of reconciling all of your own demons, as opposed to living in the household of your parents where they can kind of like control that for you, right? Like all the stuff starts to bubble up to the surface. You have to learn how to do, deal with that. You have to learn how to figure it out and, and make amends yourself um, because nobody is going to be able to do that for you as an adult like obviously your parents eventually go away um no friend no matter how close they are can really like keep that in control as well as you can if you just learn to be kind of like a person who can who can regulate that in like a healthy way or maybe it's an unhealthy way but at the end of the movie i do think that it was as healthy as it possibly can be yes it was positive because like here's the solution here's this reconciliation this problem exists you're not alone here's how we learned how to deal with it it's super depressing and fucked up because the solution is imperfect, which is quite realistic. You know what I mean? Like we all have our problems and weird shit that comes up just because you're an adult doesn't mean you're magically a genius. <laughs> you know, all of us are just out here kind of doing the best we can. And like their solution was sad and fucked up because as Shara said, that's, that's kind of how life is. You know what I mean? So it's an incredibly realistic, honest look, I think about that transition where it doesn't end in complete tragedy. It doesn't end in rainbows and sunshine. It's just kind of like this thing where it's like, yes, there's this problem. You've changed. You've learned things about yourself. If you want to keep functioning as an adult in the world, you have to learn how to deal with that in such a way that it doesn't explode and cause you to be completely unstable and destructive to yourself and others. I, I just heard yeah, that we okay. were all right. That's, that's all I, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> we're all Wait, right. what? Ben, yeah. ben agrees that each and every single one of us. Uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, how about that? Take that. <laughs> yeah, we had a either or problem and both of you said both. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I was trying to search for the uh, for the father's monologue, and you know the closest I've been able to find is IMDb, and it just says your mom was tough at first, kept saying I was her best friend at school, drove me nuts, sort of like a friend zone kind of thing. It's not like she had a boyfriend, just me. And then we had our first kiss, and I understood, and that's when he sort of takes off his shirt. So he's sort of, a, and then I understood what she was. I don't see this as an embracing and- Well, why and didn't he leave? He, of course why? he embraced it. He said, I understood what she was. Look at all these scars, you know, bam, I'm still here. This is, I'm married to your mom. I know you're like this. I know your sister's like this. It's an, of course that's an embrace to me. It's, it's if we're talking about him, especially him, it's certainly an embrace. He could have left. He didn't leave. Why did he leave? He's he's there. He's digging it. He's literal. He's literal man meat. Yeah, he likes being man meat, Jim. Some of us like being man meat. You know. Well, we can talk about how all the men in this film are emasculated, which 
I'm fine with. I'm not. I'm not saying that is a negative on the movie. As the another point that I was going to bring up about how all of the men are emasculated in this really feminist film, um, and and we could we could play with those topics later. But I'm I'm still trying to the fact that we have such radically different understandings of this ending and still both I think came down positive on this film is kind of interesting. To yeah. Me. Yeah, um, I, I'm I mean, kind of scared that I'm the only one who saw the ending as positive. I'm thinking I may be a little more sick than the rest of you. I, I don't. Are. I don't think it's like necessarily like honestly, uh, the idea of pursuing happiness is like very strange concept to me. Um, I like to do things that make me happy, but I understand that happiness is temporary. But usually, in that pursuit, and usually in that uh, you know desire to reach those little moments, you kind of have to deal with some bullshit, and that's just part of. The fucked up part of life he obviously loves his wife uh he was pursuing her heavily he loves his daughters uh he's a little scared for them but i, I mean it, it was his way of being like hey if the rest of the world doesn't accept you i can accept you okay like you have your dad your dad is going to be cool with who you are and that's huge you know like that is something that not every kid gets not every kid gets parents that are accepting of who you are and are going to be like, hey, yeah, life is going to suck. And hopefully you find a solution. But I'm not going to be able to judge you for this. Um, so that's, I guess that's the only positive thing I can take from it. Is that she actually has a parent that will accept her for who she is. Not everyone could say that. Net positive. Net positive gain there at the end. <clears throat> yep, yep, yep. Acceptance, embrace, etc. Um, I feel like Jim's just gonna open up his suit and just be like, you know what, guys, I agree. And yeah, he's gonna have scars. Actually, it's like yeah, I just that was 100% what I was going to. <laughs> yeah, big old deadly uh, analysis tattoo that's, sprawled that's, across. That's our way of saying unbutton it. Come on, yeah, let's go. yeah, give us a little bit, Jim. Jesus, we've been asking for it for months. <laughs> I didn't know this was that kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait till Cam next week. Jesus. Yeah, right. Keep oh, in your pants. Oh. Yeah, well, I'm talking to myself apparently. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that, I, so look, as soon as you make the intellectual jump that, cause it, that, that causes you to relate the metaphor of cannibalism in this film to uh, repression of homosexuality or repression as it res relates to religious identity or as it relates to sexual identity or as it relates to any other... Um, form of difference that uh, the well-meaning, forwardly thinking progressive liberals would agree are um, appropriate lifestyle choices. As soon as you make the, the intellectual leap that says cannibalism equals those things within the context of this film, then you're loading the you're preloading your own intellectual interpretation of this film to think about the ending as as positive, right? Well, Does no, I mean, it could have been, it could have, I, I don't think so, because it could have been that uh, at the end, both of them end up in an asylum, not just one. The movie could have been giving us a very obvious net negative, uh, you know, happening at the end of this movie. It could be the case that Justine goes to jail or she dies or her sister gets hit by a car or... You know, there's so many ways. The I feel like the movie is saying it's not me. The movie is saying 
there's an acceptance of this thing. And it doesn't have to be liberal stuff. You can come out a conservative for all I fucking care. The point is it's a transitional thing that's happening to this person through, let's say, I, I want to say it's post-adolescence, but you know, it's a person coming to their in, into their own through the vehicle of sexuality. But it's very vague. Like I said, it's it could be any of these things. It's it's really just a movie about transition at the end of the day. Um, and transition often happens when you're young. It happens when you're going through college. It happens at around that time. So the movie's using it as a vehicle. But it doesn't have to be liberal, like-minded things. It could be, well, it could be like fucking right-wing shit. It could be coming out. It, it basically, where whatever culture you're a, like, okay, when I was a Christian, it was I was in the Bible Belt. It was like, and I was a conservative when I was a Christian. Uh, when I became an atheist, I was still a conservative. I was a Republican when I was an atheist for a long time. So I was surrounded in, so it's really the context, right? It's really like your society, which can be radically different from place to place. So I don't think it has to do necessarily with me reading my own thing. I think the movie is telling us it's about transition and about the struggle for transition. So let's maybe take a step back and make it more vague, make it more generalized. This is a movie about transitioning and the internal struggle one has when looking at themselves in the mirror and going, I am changing this is a big change and this change does not align with the society to which i am a part of and this is the most extreme example of this in this movie that's why i brought up in my intro cannibalism is the like one of the biggest taboos there is eating another person is this is why when alive came out it's not even a horror film and people refused to see it it was controversial it was nuts because people were eating other people so it takes the most extreme example just as a tool to to, to utilize, you know, but really at the end of the day, it's about transitioning and changing in a very large roundabout way and the struggle one has when they come out that other side. And, you know, fill in the blank, dude. It doesn't have to be being liberal. It could be being conservative. It could be coming out. Sure. You know, it could be anything. Yeah, sure. I, I I think we agree that the it's a film about transition. Um, I read that transition as sexual awakening. Um, and I think where we disagree is how that how the film treats transition um, as a positive or negative um, experience and how it especially as it relates to sexuality, if we're going to make the one to one comparison between cannibalism and sexual and sexual awakening, then the film becomes a sex negative film. Uh, which which has its issues. So just to sort of go back. But and, why do you think that? Well, let me, can I just, I want to pick that one thought apart. Why do yeah. you think that tying it to cannibalism makes it essentially sex negative? Is it because cannibalism is bad? Cannibalism is taboo? And if it's a movie that's about sexual awakening that's tied to something taboo, it's net sexually negative? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying that if you're going to make, yeah, yeah. Uh, Half half of what you're say you're saying is what I what I'm saying, uh, and that that half is uh, if we're gonna tie uh, sexual awakening and sexuality to cannibalism, and cannibalism as portrayed in the movie is going to be as raw and negative and uh, upsetting and disgusting and result in the incarceration of one character, the death of another character, uh, then and the, I would say, relatively unhappy marriage of the parents, 
Um, unhappy they, on what basis are they unhappy? On not, what basis? That father is miserable. No he way. Is, no way. Not a pleased human being. It, then he can leave. He He's not unhappy. How having daughters is so much is so tough, and as he's giving his daughters, show me a dad that has two daughters who are in college who haven't. You're normalizing his. Uh... Well, that's that's. It doesn't mean one's unhappy. Like being stressed out about having daughters that are drama ridden. Like that's not a normal part of being a father. It seems to me it's he doesn't seem drama ridden. They're eating each other. Okay, so like deep drama. The deep drop, powerful drama. Wait, how about this? Two daughters, they always eat each other. That's how it happens. But, but how about this? If if we're gonna if we're gonna go to the sex, you know, stuff, okay? Let let's go into the sex stuff. If it is about sex, right? Nope. Dad is wanting their daughter to get to that age where they're going around having sex, and they especially are gonna be concerned if that sex is starting with their sister. That's a little weird. You're gonna be like, uh uh <laughs> like i'm concerned where this is going i hope you figure this out but then maybe in a way he's like you know i'm into some kinky shit too i can't really judge hopefully figure your life out i try to keep you from the sex but obviously you've gotten to the age of sex and uh, i just have to deal with this shit because I have no room to talk. Because I yeah, that he too. has no room to talk because he's <laughs> happy. Like he could leave, but he doesn't. He stays with his wife despite all his scars, and that is because he is not. If it was that bad, he would leave. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to that. If it really is negative, if it's super negative and terrible, he would get the fuck out of there. His life not necessarily. Stay. There's a lot of people that stay in really shitty toxic relationships, even though they shouldn't. So that's it's true. Not necessarily. That's true. Maybe but he's I... eventually gonna escape, and, and we can get into raw too when dad escapes <laughs> all the cannibalism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think so... you guys are just kink shaming. Like, I really do think he's probably <laughs> just a sub. He's probably into it. It's okay. You're overreacting. They have a safe word. It's fine. God, guys, geez. <laughs> Be a little more accepting of people's stuff. What's the safe <laughs> word? Bon appetit? <laughs> what? Uh, all right. Well, we probably bel belabored this point at this point. Uh, I, uh, I understand. I, I, I understand your point of view, Noah. You understand my point of view. That's true. Uh, one, one thing I think we can agree on, though, is that the movie, I, th I think, well, maybe, we, maybe we're maybe we not going to agree. The movie does a good job of showing the the transition of curiosity. So we, we mentioned some of these already, but like um, the scene, I think the first scene where something's really amiss is when she goes into the fridge and starts eating. I, you called it chicken. I thought it was fish, but you may be right. That it was chicken, like raw chicken. I thought it was right? the raw chicken. I, for some reason, I thought it was fish. I that's strange to me. I thought she was eating, but it's okay. So she goes from raw chicken to uh, the severed finger of her sister. By the way, the music changes. the The aura of the film cinematically, the music changes heavily. Post she steals a hamburger. She oh yes, a hamburger. Right. Uh, right. She gets caught for it, right. and then she throws the hamburger away. And then her friend takes her to eat shawarma, I think. Right. And so she she steals. She tries to to eat cooked meat at first, and then it it becomes raw chicken, and then her sister's finger, and then herself. Um, yeah. yeah. Either uh, 
the the hair or her own tooth, etc. Well, and then by the end, you know, when her and her sister have that big spat and they end up biting each other and they're just sort of like locked on each other like like rabbit dogs, you know, the transition has been complete, right? It's like I liked how the movie took you there. Like you get to see you get to see the transition I think in a way that's very static. Um, I agree. Yeah, I, th I thought that was done well. Maybe maybe compared to others, uh, uh, some other cannibal films. I'm thinking the only other one I really like is Ravenous, but I think this movie does it uh, a little better in sort of the cannibal stuff. <laughs> to you know, to talk about that, I I'm actually getting I I'm actually get the more we talk about cannibalism, the more I'm thinking about it. I'm actually kind of getting nauseated, which is weird because when I watched the movie, I didn't. This is really strange. Um, but uh, Wait, well then, then let's go into a really interesting question. Okay. Uh, why do you think the filmmaker had the dog sniffing her crotch when she was getting some uh, work that's quote, done? That's, that's quote of the night. Why did the director have the dog sn sniffing her crotch when she was getting work done? Quote of the night on Deadly Analysis. Uh, the, the, I, so I would answer it to say that this movie tries its best to put a magnifying glass to the viewer's uncomfortability. It takes a very segmented... Um, slivers of things that for the most part, if you were to describe them in text would be normal. Hey, I'm getting a Brazilian. Okay, like that's not my thing, but I know women do that. I know I know men do that. I know people get a Brazilian. Uh, I know, you know, look, I my dogs, when they meet someone new, one of the first things they'll do is if you're sitting down, they did this to Rob when he came and visited earlier, they go right for the dick. They go right for the crotch and they start smelling. Like you put these on paper, they seem like normal things, but to watch them, and to be filmed in a certain way, puts a magnifying glass on sort of the awkwardness and uncomfortability. I think of the transition you see when you're becoming a sexual person. There's a smell down there, right? A dog is, smells those things. And so it's not abnormal for a dog to go, hey, what's that? And look, right? And she knocks the dog away, right? But the weirdness of that one moment is the same weirdness when my dog comes up to you and starts smelling your crotch. And you're like, whoa, 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 hey buddy, hey buddy, I'm up here, uh, right? Like, but, that's that's good filmmaking is to take that one weird little moment draw it out and make you go oh dude what the fuck right like that's and that's that's hard to do like that's i think what this movie is doing is it's taking things that maybe we could put it this way it's taking things that are normal just not necessarily abnormal some things you know being getting your hair ripped off and dogs sniffing crotches are normal things but it makes you walk away going i really did not want to watch that i did not want to see that and I think that's the point, largely, in this movie, is to make you uncomfortable, right? So I think that's why that's in there. And it's very, uh, it's, it's just awesome filmmaking, you know? Uh, yeah, so that's then the only that time. Be, wouldn't yeah. that be a testament to the idea that, like, uh, the, the story is that real life really sucks, growing up really sucks, adulthood really sucks, and... and and maybe it's that's... awkward. There's these transition things that are awkward. There's these sexual things that are strange and different and weird and awkward. And that can lead to fucking really odd occurrences. You know what I mean? Like stories that you look back and tell, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a first time for everything. And this movie, I think takes some of those first time for everything's and puts a magnifying glass to it and makes you want to go, Oh God, I don't ever want to see that again. Like what it's Jim's thing with this. He never wants to watch this movie again. Well, I think that's, that, eh, to some extent, is why I like the movie. I got to be careful because that's actually some of my criticism in other movies too. So I don't know if I'm being a, a super hypocrite here. I mean, that's why I don't like. Uh, that's why I don't like some of the torture porn movies that are out there, like Saw. Um, but I don't feel like that's the entirety of this movie. That's not even even the main aim. 
I, I, there's something high-minded, I guess we would say about this movie. Um, and it just so happens to take mundane components of human expression and sexuality and make you feel really awkward about it and grossed out about it, you know? Uh, that, that would be my answer. That's my long-winded answer. Anyway, anyone in the mood for some hair? Jesus, that sounds so good right now. <laughs> sounds so good. We got a guy in the chat who's, uh, 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 I think it's Alejandro, or Alex, ordered a pizza. Get some hair on that pizza, dude. Throw some hair on that shit. Chow down. Okay. Sounds so good. It's disgusting. That's uh, <laughs> gross. Um, do you want to talk about gender a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Um, all of the men in this film are are pretty emasculated like the father figure i know we have different readings about that character uh but he seems rather ineffectual uh not doing much to affect the plot the other um male character adrian adrian uh i believe is his name uh yeah adrian uh he is uh you know he's he's forced into a situation a sexual experience with justine that he does not want to be a part of um and uh his agency ends up getting reduced to her agency and then of course he becomes dinner uh so the 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 placing of agency is all in the female characters of this film which i found to be a really interesting feminist choice behind the movie. And uh, I thought that how gender was explored in this film, gender relations were explored in this film was actually really interesting as well. Adrian also got penetrated <laughs> before he got uh, eaten. So Quite literally, yes. It's like a rotisserie, uh, <laughs> a kebab. <laughs> An Adrian kebab, one could say. Yummy. Yeah, there's I, one, okay, there, there's one counter example of that. I do want to point this out too. So th those are interesting examples. I'm trying to find the overall theme. It didn't really stand out to me as such whenever I was watching it. So I'm, I'm thinking a little bit about it now. The counter example that I have is the, the male teacher who is thoroughly unimpressed with the skills of um, Justine. And he gives her shit about her paper. He goes through this entire spiel about he has no sympathy for really, really good students who just kind of coast through. And he would rather see her ranking fall as opposed to, I presume, Adrian's because he's talking about her friend who may or may not have cheated um, on the paper like somebody cheated. Right. So I really do feel like in that particular case, this one individual is kind of like taking no shit and obviously has a little bit of control in that situation. Um, so, yeah, I would. Fair. Yeah, that's you know, you know what I mean. So I'm like, yeah. and honestly, like I, thinking through, there there's not a huge number of male characters or like any other character. I mean, there's really only like a, a set of core characters that you see, um, like throughout this entire thing. And like that's obviously that's true for like every movie. But I feel like this group of particular like important characters was rather small, and so it's sort of hard to draw a pool. I think of like male characters in a role that would be significant enough to really put forward either a dominant or a submissive part in the story. Um, yeah, I'm having a little bit of trouble with that, I guess. Well, then that that's brings up a really good question, too, because there there was, like, obviously the hazing uh, men that were, were a little bit more dominant uh, towards all the people that were getting hazed. But um, the, the, the weird parts about this is, like, 
these girls go into the school. The, the parents went to the school too. Do they know that this is the kind of hazing that they're going to go under? Do they know that the kids are going to be eating the raw meat and having blood drenched all over them? Are they aware that these like things are going to come to the surface? Uh, like, like I, I'm really curious, like, did they know they were going to have these domineering figures, like forcing them into these situations and partying and stuff? I think so. I think so. Cause there's a scene where the sister shows her the photo of their parents and says, that's them right there in the photo with the, with the white coats on, I think drenched in blood, if I'm not mistaken. So, oh, so yeah. is this that's an alternate absolutely. universe, like kind of almost like lobster, I guess, in a, in a way, like this is just <laughs> a normal thing that parents just send their kids off to blood tossing, eating raw, you know, meat, uh, crazy land. Like is, is, is that the normal coming of age of this world? Is that well, isn't that the normal coming of age of most college students, I would think? I would I would honestly say that that's, you know, maybe not for everyone, but it seems to be fairly in line, especially with like fraternities, right? Like you have legacies, you have dads who are like, now boy, you've, you've got to go to this fraternity, you've got to go to this college and this fraternity because that's where I went. And you're going to find out all this horrible shit that they're going to do to you, but I went through it too. So now it's your turn, you know, like, I feel like that's, that's pretty normal. Um, so did the, yeah. did, did the parents then push them into doing their cannibal stuff in a way like are they aware that that was going to happen mm. well mm. that's kind of a question right i mean that's that's really one one sort of interesting thing that i that can be taken away from this is if you know the parents are in this situation the mother is has this disease or whatever we want to want to call it right like that perhaps came from eating a kidney or you know her, however it's transmitted um and yeah, I mean, like I, they would obviously have known. And so like pushing a kid into that particular school to have those particular experiences would obviously raise the chances of having that particular outcome, you know? So they, I think that that actually makes Noah's argument a little bit more uh, accurate then. It does. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm uh, one could say I'm savoring this moment right now, savoring it. Uh, yeah, favorite yeah. all you want. I, I'm going to a little bit of extra hair on that bitch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, sorry, every time. I'm sorry, Jim. I, I really do love you. I apologize. I actually am making him nauseated. Uh, yeah, uh, there is. I I actually didn't even think of that. That's a good point. There's almost. I don't want to say it's like a fatalist component to this, but um, yeah, it's more like, hey, like this happened to us. Like you're up. You're up. Let's see what you make of it. You know. But at, on the flip side of this, well, I'm gonna fight myself here. Like, what else can they do but go, this is how we made it work. This was our world. Like, you clearly have the same thing going on with you. So let's put you in the same setting and hopefully you'll turn out in the way that we did, maybe? Yeah, I don't I know. I did that opposite with my kid. So, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to judge other parents. It's Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, but that's, it's, then why did they raise their kids to be vegetarian? Why didn't they say, okay, they were like, waiting for the right time, maybe. Maybe they were waiting for so they maybe make a this vegetarian time, then just time shove them into blood buckets. <laughs> like that's crazy. Well, maybe that's just yeah, maybe just jump in. I'm not French. Oh. Maybe this is how they. I don't know how French oh people are, God. dude. Like, I'm just saying, like maybe. I don't doubt that in France they're like, oh well, when when we are cannibal French, we uh, we simply send our children off to school and let them uh, teach them how to eat other people. La fromage I, and la flesh. Le, yeah, I, I think that that's how it works. And even in France or in Belgium, uh, like that's it doesn't. I see. I I would think that if they were trying to embrace the cannibalistic 
parts of themselves, then they would not have sent them their their uh, children off to. They wouldn't have raised their children to be vegetarians, uh, where they're always uh, avoiding this this uh, this desire. A Alex and, hit it. Alex hit it in the chat. He said. Okay. He said it's like teaching me, someone to swim by throwing them in a lake. Oh, is that is that how you teach someone to swim? That's how I was taught to swim. My grandfather chucked my ass in a pool. He was like, "Go!" And I, I'm a fucking fantastic swimmer. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, there's but, something to be said for that. I, I, I mean, we laugh, like but that's that's uh, an interpretation. Like, jump I in. I had a paddleboard, mm. and I learned mm. how to kick. <laughs> that's the equivalent to slowly being given like carcass meat from humans. Yeah, they started as me out young. with chicken nuggets. You yeah. know, now I'm on to yeah. that, you know, really raw steak, gotcha. you know. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. God, I'm gonna door dash some shit after this. I'm fucking hungry. Anyway, uh yeah, I but no, you're right. I'm joking, but you're you're right. Uh the parents decide it's a very odd thing. Maybe maybe a criticism of this movie is the way the parents handled both. I mean, it's not just one kid that has this issue, it's two. And taking them to a vet school where they know the hazing ritual is gonna include meat, the only one, the only thing we can consider is that they knew this was gonna happen and wanted it to happen anyway, which is just a strange thing to do if you know your kids are gonna be cannibals. You know, I, what did you expect by the end? Of course, one of them's gonna end up behind bars. You know, it's it, that was a little odd. But maybe the idea is you are quite literally on your own. Maybe it's the it follows esque sort of thing where, you know, the parents are might as well be absent, right? And they're absent and it follows. And you in, in that movie, you're forced to think about death and becoming a, a, an adult on your own. Like, well, you, this is your world now. You are not a child anymore. You're you're out there on your own. Maybe that's the same sort of thing here that at a certain point, you, their guidance is bad that you're you you just got to jump in you know well i don't right, agree with right that right before style. she goes to college they have the scene with the mashed potatoes okay and the mom sees that they've tainted the mashed potatoes and you could tell that the girl didn't want to be confrontational and she's uh, like oh, no 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 and the mom's like no what if you were allergic like she was pretty pissed off and then the next second she sends the blood bucket eat the raw meat land like that's <laughs> fucking that's quite a leap in yeah, parenting styles. Like that's, I mean, maybe that's how some parents are, but I, that's a quite a leap in parenting styles. I, I really yeah. think it's no, like I, <clears throat> one of the big strengths that I really see from this and like, maybe this will be my point of disagreement is that <clears throat> it's so utterly realistic to the experience of just kind of like getting out into the world that it's almost mundane except for there's some cannibalism. And so I really do think that like this whole, this, this, kind of framework where your parents sort of push you out and they didn't explain this and they didn't explain that and they didn't try to teach you this thing and they didn't prepare you for this other thing. It's like, well, of course that's how it fucking worked out because that's how it always works out. That's why parents push their kids into the same professions, into the same schools. You know, they teach them whatever it is that they learned when they were growing up with religion and, you know, all, all this other kind of stuff. And like, not to, not to dive down into the whole like Catholic rabbit hole there about that, but it's kind of like, you go into this situation, you put your kids there and you're like, well, maybe it'll work out for the best, even though, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not there. There's going to be some horrible things that happen, you know? So I know, I really don't think it's like all that. Um, I don't think it's all that surprising. I mean, like cannibalism. Okay. You got to think about this. Yes. It's about cannibalism. So we, we want to separate that and say, no, that's, that's insane. That's crazy. That's an extraordinary 
circumstance, but for them, it's kind of not, you know what I mean? For like these parents, that's like, that's what they deal with every single day. And so I feel like after a couple of years, that's going to be fairly normalized for you. So it would probably just be like any other challenge that somebody would have to learn to surmount as they grow up. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I'm, I'm just not terribly surprised. I don't know. I, I, I always found the idea that a parent is pushing his or her child into the same profession that the parent, uh, the, the, the same profession as the parent is, is embracing a kind of sameness. It's trying to say, well, this, uh, worked out for me. Accountancy worked out for me. It'll work out for you too, young man. And, uh, in that sense, it's, it's a, there's a sameness associated with it. And I don't know if lapsed Catholics would, um, raise their children to be Catholic after the parents themselves had lapsed. Uh, in this sense, it does seem to be lending a little more credence to Noah's argument that they have embraced the cannibalism and that the solution that they are, that the father ends the film with is not a solution beyond cannibalism, but a solution like the one that he and his wife have found. Um, I, I think stepping back from all of this, it's not terribly clear what these parents are expecting of the veterinary school, what these parents, what their relationship is, is like, uh, aside from, and, and, and in that sense, I think that that might be a, uh, a criticism of the film because we're not given enough information to really understand how these characters, sorry about that, how these characters are, are relating with each other. I actually liked that sound effect. It's criticism of the film. <laughs> yeah, it made you sound angry. I was, I was half <laughs> expecting you to just bite the camera or something. We were just gonna... He's letting his carnal stuff, you know, take. Yeah, take embrace the carnality, man. Um, I agree with you. I, uh, part of the criticism I have of this movie is that I would have liked more. I, ha, you'll never hear me saying this again. I would have liked more parent stuff in this, uh, in this movie. I would have liked that explore a little more. I think it would have, um, it would have the, the, mm, I feel like other parts of this movie would have been a little more fleshed out. Jesus, that was an accidental pun. Like it would have been a little more, there would be more explanation. We, we wouldn't have, uh, there'd be more to chew on. Jesus. Okay. There would be more. I actually like this is completely accidental. These puns and they're terrible. You know how I know they're accidental. How you need to know they're accidental is they're good. If they're bad, I wrote. And them. they're not in the intro. <laughs> and they're not in the intro or the exit. Good point. Good point. Good lord. Anyway, I I agree with you. I would have liked to have seen more parent stuff explored. Um, especially since it seems so central to the story. These parents are sending their kids to the same school. Like we maybe we didn't need to know that, right? Like maybe the movie would have been superior if we just would have seen them going off to that school. We wouldn't have seen any parental background. We would have just seen Justine becoming this cannibal without the yeah, context of her family. Yeah, but she went to family. the same school. Yeah. She went to the same school as her older sister. But not only that, even when the hazing was just starting, the guy yelled down, all your parents want you to be here, right? You don't want to, you know, make them mad at you. And it was almost implied that, like, all of these kids have been forced here by cannibal parents <laughs> to, like, learn cannibalism. Maybe that's not it. But you know what I mean? Like, it was like, whoa, what do you mean? Like, all these kids are trying but it was like, to don't let to down their your parents. parents' standards. That was, like, the reason why they were there. Not to learn how to have a profession. Not not because they care about animals. Uh, not because of anything except for living up to your parents' standards. And that's why the hazing was so intense and so wild. It's like, you better do this 
or your parents are going to be very disappointed in you and uh, you better go all in with all the things that we tell you to do. That's a, that's a pretty intense world they're living in. But I guess that's the world a lot of us live in when we're trying to live up to our parents' standards and what they want for us. You know, I was supposed to be a pastor's wife. I'm sure that's a disappointment. <laughs> so, you know. Raw to the school. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wonder. I, yeah, the the whole backstory behind this. I think the film was trying to have this whammy ending with characters that it didn't develop uh, well enough in order to make yeah. the whammy ending mark. And and so we're left to speculate about whether or not the school is a cannibal cult or whether or not the uh, parents knew what was going to happen to them once they arrived. All of that speculation because the film's not giving us enough information to really uh, get a get a good interpretation out of that. I actually well, want to is... see. I actually want to see Raw to the pastor's wife now. I don't know why that's in my head. Like, come eat the flesh of Jesus. Yeah. I hey, I could I could do a whole thing with the wine and you know some little crackers, you know. Mm -hmm. But the crackers are actually Caucasian people. Yeah, it's 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 skin yeah. that's been you know skin. crackled over some yeah. fire. Yeah, you know, I'm it's, sorry. It's basically yeah. pork rinds, human pork rinds. Yeah, you know? I'm sorry. When we talk about cannibalism, it is hard for me to stay on topic and intellectual. I apologize. Continue. Sorry, Ben. I know you're going to say something very smart. And here I am talking about eating Caucasian flesh. Welcome no, to Deadly actually, Analysis. I actually was not going to say something very intelligent. I just wanted to point out the one scene where her sister, Justine's sister, took that video of her like trying to, or no, 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 no. She just, she was just the one doing it. Somebody else took the video, but they were at that party and Justine was like super wasted and her sister's dangling that like corpse like arm and she's like nipping at it so what i really wonder about like what i really ponder about here is like the reaction to that video right because like back to what jim was talking about if this was a a cannibal cult like a lot of people were dealing with this as a result of eating these like weird rabbit kidneys and having the same disease you would expect it to be like sort of like laughed off you know what i mean like everyone would be like that's kind of weird that's kind of creepy but i totally get it on the other hand you know, I feel like that's that's the kind of thing that comes out and ruins someone's life, <laughs> or maybe I don't know. Like it, it, it's hard to it's hard to decide like which way that ought to be interpreted in the context of this story because it's not like people seem to really be be shunning her for that reason afterward. You know what I mean? I mean, it doesn't seem like the teachers there, the professors, they didn't like try and kick her out. There wasn't this big recourse for like playing with like dead people you, you know what i mean like it's kind of weird like the the reaction to that that coming out like that video and that whole situation just seemed a little bit flat it was a little bit suspect well there was the the woman who she sat next to another female student and the female student took one look at her and moved over a chair so there was a an attempt to say that she was being shunned as a result of this video um you know moving over a chair doesn't get you outside the cannibals uh teeth reach uh too too far but i i think that was that scene was meant to show that she was a social pariah as a result of this video okay okay so i, I missed that just a little bit all right good so that that alleviates that a little bit um but there okay so like there is one other scene that i want to kind of like call back to and i think this is infinitely more interesting um so toward the beginning of the film they're in, in the lunchroom and they're talking about like aids or something like that right and i feel like this is kind of like a, a key scene um to really sort of unlocking some other ideas that are happening here um and like they they go on to say that this is a like a falsehood right but they were talking about the myth that 
I had started because somebody like had sex with a monkey or something like that. And so that leads into this, this sort of like pontification or like this discussion about the differences, the true significant differences between humans and other animals. Right. Um, and so I think that was, that was incredibly interesting and like something that we really haven't touched on yet, um, is kind of like how this, this sort of escalation from no meat to some meat to like human meat might make sense to a person who was raised in a household, especially one that was particularly focused on like caring for non-human animals the same way that you would care for other humans. But it becomes sort of like this double-edged sword where humans are deserving uh, or non-human animals and humans are deserving of the same sort of like care and respect and consideration, but also probably a food source as well. I don't know. It was, it was kind of like a sort of like a weird... Um, weird tie in there, especially if we're thinking that cannibalism is kind of like a metaphor for sexual activity. Right. So it all sort of like comes together, I think in that one lunchroom scene. Um, and I'm not fully wait, sure wait, how so to like interpret all of that. You're, you're saying that because they were raised to like care about animals in this way that like, you might as well jump to like eating humans too. Is, is, is that the jump? Like, actually, that kind of messes my head up. <laughs> well, again, like I'm trying to, like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, ah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to draw some some context about these parent characters, right? So it's like you you probably have to learn about them a little bit by understanding a little bit about Justine and like why Justine wants to be a vet. Um, apparently, her parents are into this. Well, what kind of household was she raised in? What kind of mentality does she have towards living creatures? Um, you know, obviously, there's got to be a reason she is a vegetarian and like didn't want to eat animals, right? And it seems to be because she has the same consideration for them that she would have for humans. But if she breaks that taboo, then it brings down the walls for other things as well. Yeah, I'm picking up what you're laying down. And, uh, you know, a lot of animal. I mean, these are this is the conversation where we need Garrett, right? Uh, our, I our was just thinking vegan. that, actually. Yeah. I, I mean, you'll have to do with me, who's a pescatarian. It's, it's, I'm, I'm on the spectrum, but not as far as, as uh, Garrett, our, our vegan friend. But, yeah, a lot of the animal rights activists and animal rights, the philosophy behind uh, becoming vegan has to do with animal sentience and uh, animal, uh, like the fact that these are conscious creatures that we are literally killing for our sustenance. Um, and to, to make the leap that uh, humans are just another animal and therefore just another food source is not a terribly far ethical leap uh, that that some people uh, 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 choose to make. I mean, I know Ingrid Newkirk, who's the uh, who is or was the leader of PETA, uh, has in her will that her body should be used in all of the ways that we currently use animal flesh in order to demonstrate uh, the the uh, barbarity. Uh, with which we treat animals. So, for example, if you have an elephant's leg for your umbrella stand, Ingrid Newkirk has has suggested that her leg should be made into an umbrella stand when she dies, uh, to to attempt to to make the intellectual connection between humans as being just another animal. Like it, it reminds I, me of that I, that I, billboard. Uh, Peta put up a billboard, and it had a bunch of animals uh on it and uh it it read where do you draw the line and then someone literally went and spray painted it between the cow and the horse and was like right around here <laughs> and oh, yeah and like i guess that's what this 
if, if we're going to go down that rabbit hole, that's guess this what this is. It's like, if you do cross the line, does that mean it, it all goes out the window and you just all of it? <laughs> I was wondering so, what that scene was about. And I'm really glad you brought that up. That was one of my questions is it felt so out of place for me. I didn't know how to throw that in with the way I look at this movie. It just felt like a very odd conversation. It was fairly quick, but uh, now I really like this. I like the idea that it's not a large skip and a jump between this and that. Um, I, I didn't see it that way, but I think now that you're you're talking, now that all of you are talking about it, that makes a lot of sense. That's fascinating. Well, there's something else. I should, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, are we going to keep talking about veganism, Ben? I was about to diverge away from that, so maybe okay. you should go first. Yeah, re just a real quick. It is odd as a culture which animals we choose to eat and which animals we choose not to eat. Uh, we generally choose uh, various species of fish, um, cows, chickens, and pigs. Uh, and we don't draw the line, as you were talking about that billboard, at horses or wild pigs or insects, at least in Western culture. Uh, some other cultures um, have different dietary uh, restrictions and different dietary uh, requirements. But I think that it's interesting that we just choose three main animals that we that we uh, raise for food and 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 slaughter. And uh, those those distinctions seem very arbitrary, um, at least from a, a sort of bird's eye point of view. Bird's eye <laughs> pun. All right, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> uh, go ahead with yeah. No, no, sorry, like I was I was struggling over here with my unmute. Um, yeah, it happens. No, that's, that's fantastic. And I think like if if you think about it like that too, from the cultural perspective, then you sort of like get into this world where the line gets drawn just based on based on what like morality, like cultural morality. Is it really all that subjective, or is it? as I suspect in the Western world, more of an industrial question. It's like, well, these are the animals that were probably the most lucrative to produce in mass. So those are the ones that we eat. Um, but just to go away from that just a little bit. Yeah. That's that, that whole topic there. And I do really wish Garrett was here, but there's an other element to that conversation that I think should be pulled out. And I don't think it's applied in the same way, but I do think if we're going to tie up cannibalism with kind of like a, a sexual sort of awakening for a person, um, there's that other bit in there where they're talking about, having sex with a monkey or something like that. And so like, obviously, you know, that still, that remains a taboo. And I think like that, that is a line that doesn't sort of like get broken explicitly in this movie, but it does give us a, a bridge between the two things. So just like with the meat, I think if we're thinking about this being a progression where she has, you know, progressively larger and larger and more dangerous game to pursue where that leads in human um, uh, sustenance, um, then we can kind of like think about the sexual thing the same way where this isn't really like sex negative to bring it back to that part of the conversation. It's more about, well, how extreme are you really going to go with it? Right. So like we would say that sex itself isn't a negative. In fact, it's very positive, but it can lead to incredibly dangerous outcomes. If you're not responsible, if you don't draw certain lines, if you go a little bit too far with it, it can kind of destroy your life. Right. Um, so anyway, yeah. The gradient applies similarly, I think, in both situations, whereas wherever we apply the line to what we will eat and what we won't eat, and then where we apply the line sexually to what rules we place around our behaviors in that part of our lives. Yeah, there's a going too far element in this. I was That was part of the part here for me where I was trying to sort of 
line that up with where I'm at in here. Like, where does the film say going too far is, right? And like, we, we talk, I talk about this idea that the movie is heavily transformative, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's normative, that it's good, that it's positive. Like, how far, I mean, and we're talking about cannibalism here. It's even the first bite is taboo, right? But like, how, like, what does the film say about too much, I guess? Um, and maybe we look at Justine's sister as an example of this. She is, I believe, the person who chomps the leg Right. We want to use that as a phrase, chomps the leg, let's say. Uh, cleans, the, cleans the leg. <laughs> cleans the leg, right? We, we talk about I mean, that was like some bones. Yeah. Like, uh, mm -hmm. that, was, that was like, a, it made me think of chicken wings, you know? There's certain people that'll just munch on it and leave a lot of meat, and then there's those people that'll just, and it's clean. Yep, yep. Yeah. that was Justine's sister. Uh, that is That is too much, maybe, in this movie. Like, I feel like, Justine's sister may be the example of of excess. I don't know. Do you, what do you guys think about that? Like, how do you guys throw her sister into this? Um, to me, she is something like a representative of of excess. Although, to be fair, I mean, she. Well, yeah. I mean, I want to I want to land there because she she's the one who's knocking off cars to get the brain juice. Jesus. Uh, and, you know, to chomp the leg, she's the one doing all the, the heavy lifting as it turns into cannibalism, where when we look at Justine, there's a struggle. With her sister, but there's not a cried. struggle. she cried. That mm -hmm. that single tear, you know, that's always a really, it's, by the way, that's one of my favorite things that actors do. When they just look, like, very plain-faced and that single tear comes, I'm like, oh, shit, that's the good shit. But, yeah, she she did the, the single tear phase. Oh. It's, it's always faked. People don't cry like that. Nobody cries like that, but I love it. Yeah. It's it's right. it's so powerful in the storytelling, you know? Yeah, but it's fake. Like, no actor is able to cry a single tear. No actor the is best, able to do I'm that. Gonna say, the best. Fake. Oh, no, no, no. There is an actress. I have, to, I have to argue that there was an actress, and one of my favorite lines she ever told a director, okay? Uh, when they were like, I, I, need you to, I need you to cry for this scene, she said, which I? And that was like her fucking diva moment where she'd say witch eye. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if it's true that she could just choose an eye. But we're going to get Scott line... in here to do it. Jim is right. We're going to yeah. get Scott. We're going to bring him in. And I'm going to be like, turn your eye this way. No, actually, don't turn your eye. We want to see both eyes. Cry out of your right eye. I'm going to tell him. Fuck, right I'm going yeah. to text him right now. Be like, can you cry out of one eye? I'm going to do it right now. Like, yeah, do that and let, let us know. Let us know what Scott has to say. Because I was an actor for... 10 years, and uh, it was never part of acting school to cry out of the left eye. Uh, no, I think I think it was Joan Crawford who who uh, said that to the director. I could be wrong, but if yeah. she was a diva bitch who was like, which yeah. eye, you know, you know, very. <laughs> I've got I've got it right here. It's artificial tears. And if you want. Were you going to use this to make Noah feel pity? Yes, I was going to cry out of one eye for him. And it was uh, actually my eyes were dry. That's why uh, I have it. But well, uh, oddly enough, that would have been one of my other kinks crying out of one eye. Uh, only if Jim does it. So, yeah. I, yeah, I can cry on cue, but I can't do it only out of one eye. That's when you have one tear going down and none of this area is none of the eye area is fluffy at all. That is uh, transition, Jim growth. Yeah. That's what this movie is about. You'll get there. Can we get you to do that? Okay, just film that uh, of you doing the single tear, and then we'll use that for every time we do our own little. Uh, we're gonna start doing our own little movie reviews. Maybe do not spoilery things, and just yeah. each of us talking about our movies for two minutes. We can use you as like a, a a thing about talking about sadness. We'll just intersperse this clip of you with your single tear. 
Well, this will be, yeah, that'll be, uh, uh, that'll be our rating system. It'll be our, uh, one tier is bad, but, uh, if I get four tiers, that's a, that's a recommend. Uh, I feel, like, I feel like what we really need to go for is like figuring out the exercise that we can actually use to strengthen the muscle that allows you to cry. So you can be like, well, one inch stream of jet tears out of the eye, two inch stream of jet tears. <laughs> Not how it works. <laughs> All right. Well, I asked, uh, I asked our friend Scott Clifton. From, okay. Uh, Bold and Beautiful. Yes. Who is uh, the main guy on Bold? Oh, there's a bunch of main guys. He is one of the people on Bold and Beautiful. Uh, I think he plays Liam. I've asked him, and I said, this is very important. Stop everything you're doing and answer this question with no context. So we're going to know soon. Okay, cool. Uh, I don't know how uh, we got on this. This is, yeah. No, it's important. This sister real quick, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think this was an, the most important diversion we've ever had on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alexander calls it a top tier conversation. So thank you. Oh my God, puns. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so yeah, the sister is an interesting character. I do, I do agree with you because the sister is the only one who gets any consequences um, associated with cannibalism. Uh, Justine actually ends up not fairly consequence free. Uh, obviously, the mother, who's revealed to be a cannibal, um, consequence free, but uh, her sister is uh, put in prison. And uh, not only that, if we're going to play out this metaphor of sex and sexuality as it relates to cannibalism, then uh, her sister is also deemed to be the most promiscuous of the bunch because she's the one who says, you know, I, there's one line where she says something similar to I make out with guys and don't even. Uh, oh, yeah. She tells a story of uh, I was making out, making out with a guy and I didn't even realize that he had only one arm. Um, so we've all been there. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, she gosh. literally slept with the one arm man <laughs> from all of those, uh, those films, the bandits, the bad guys. Uh, but like, how but would you not notice that? Like, well, that's about, that's it. That's the point. It's excess, right? It's someone who's so consumed by the thing in question that the movie is trying to get us to think about. I think that, uh, that we see, we see too much of it, right? So we see someone who's so consumed by this, she doesn't even notice the person has an arm. I like that. I like Jim's. I, that's I like this right because there is maybe a warning. It, it's almost like to me the film gives you a warning of don't follow this too far. Like if we take my the way I'm looking at it, the way that this film seems almost heavy-handed in its metaphor for sexuality, it's almost like uh, that journey inward. Don't it, it can be all-consuming, right? And what you find at the other end, like it's almost like a middle ground. It's it's really just the confrontation to me about the things you're struggling with as you're burgeoning into a person, as you're burgeoning into your own sexuality. It's not so much about an answer to the question. It's not so much what you find on the other side. I guess that's what I was trying to maybe say is that it's about the journey there. It's about the struggle, the fight, uh, you know, biting, looking in the mirror, autopsy, cutting, opening and looking in the middle, seeing what's underneath. It's about conflict, right? But I think the film does give a warning of going too far one way uh, excess. I think the sister is excess. That's how I but, like to look at this. You know what's interesting about it is the um, so yeah, moderation is important. But we've also, if we actually look at a birth order, um, it generally speaking, the eldest tends to have a lot more of the uh, flubs and the trips and the and the and the things that pop up. But although they will try to, you know, be responsible because they are the eldest, there's a lot of trips that happen being the eldest i'm an eldest um so like there were a lot of things that i went through where i was able to go to my younger sisters and be like hey 
here's uh, how to not trip over this problem. <laughs> like, uh, let me try to help you not, you know, go down this path. But uh, maybe there's something to that because she is the older sister. She was there at the at the college first. The sister was trying to help her understand like, oh, okay, look, mom and dad have been here too. Like, you know, it's, it's not that weird. This is just part of life. Uh, and was trying to help her younger sisters. So it might've given the younger sister a leg up. And that might be part of the power of it is like, hey, I, I got to help you through. Oh, you're going to be struggling the same way I do. I, I got to be there for you through this, even though, God damn, I wish you weren't struggling the way I was. Um, you know, maybe it has to do with birth order, too, not just uh, representing excess, but the fact that you're usually hit the hardest with life first and you can maybe help your siblings out. So. Oh, it Wait. looks like we got Scott answers. Yeah, we do. We do. We okay. We do. He said, I said, I asked him the question, can you, can you cry just from a single eye, like a single teardrop? Is that possible? And he said, yes, it's possible. And I've done it. Uh, I've done, he's done it. He's done it often actually he said on his show. And I said, are you, I was, I thought he was joking. So I said, are you serious? And he said, yes. And then he also said, it is possible to lactate only out of one nipple. So now I'm trying to see if he's being like, if he's fucking with me. And now, right now, he said, no, the tit thing is a joke, but you really can cry out of one eye. So when he comes onto our podcast, I am going to challenge him to cry a single teardrop out of one eye for Jim. Because now I'm skeptical. I'm super skeptical. But he says, apparently, you really can. Hmm. Now, the real question is, can he cry out of one eye and lactate out of one nipple at the same time? <laughs> that, that is that I, third Emmy coming up for him, if he well, can do that. Yeah. Well, most of those are faked, though. Like. No, he says he can do. He says he can do it. So now, uh, all right, all right. Let's get all right. I am going to get this guy on here. Accepted. Challenge accepted. All right. I mean, I can I can cry, but only out of two eyes. I can't do I can't do one eye. It's upsetting. All right. Well, good. Maybe that's why Scott. Step Scott's up your tear game, Jim. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why that's why I didn't make it as an actor, and Scott did. Now you know what you got to do, though. All you have to do is figure that out, and then boom, and then bold yep. and the beautiful. Definitely, definitely. Tell Scott to watch his back because I'm coming for his part. Um, I, I'm going to tell him that you're coming for his left teat right now. There <laughs> you go. say that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just kidding. I really was just kidding. I promise. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's blowing up my face. He swears up and down. You can actually cry out of a single tear one eye. You can make yourself do it if you're trained. Huh. Interesting. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Wait, wait. Here's the it. question, though. We have to do the the. I think it's Joan Crawford. I'm gonna I'm gonna give her that she's the diva. Can he choose which eye? Ah. Mm. Let's 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 see how. Okay, so this is just becoming deadly analysis. The <laughs> podcast of talking to Scott Clifton. Yeah. It this is, is no. This is talking about acting techniques. I think it's intriguing. Jim, Jim, Jim. You don't understand. The question is, can one choose what their body is saying to them? It's oh. deeper than that. Can they choose, or is it just a natural reflex to be the way one is? Or can they go? You know what? I'm going to make myself do this thing that Jim Hunter says I can't do. Can't do. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's a deeply philosophical question. Jim, you're you're not giving yourself enough credit here. Uh, anyway, yeah, we'll see how this goes. I've no again, no idea how to segue out of out of crying out of one eye and tit milking, but whatever. Uh, um, we ready for final thoughts. Let's like, final thoughts. This was oh, this was a potpourri <laughs> podcast if there ever was one, all over the place. Uh, do you want? Do you want me to start? One? Yeah, go for it. Go okay. For it. Uh, so I liked it. Um, 
Overall, I'm giving it uh, three stars out of five. Uh, I think the metaphor is a little, it could have been a little bit better um, as, for reasons that I articulated. I'm trying to take away my my visceral reaction to the film. Um, I think that it's a film about sexual awakening. I think it's a film about otherness in some ways. I think Noah has nailed how the film is also about a transformation and an awakening um, and how terrifying that awakening can be. Uh, so I think it works largely on a metaphorical, or I think it works largely on a story level, but also to a lesser degree on a metaphorical level. Level All of the acting I think is fantastic. I especially like uh, the, the, main, the main actors. Uh, Grants Maillet is, uh, I, I, I have destroyed the pronunciation of your name, I'm, I apologize, and Ella Rumpf, who played Justine and uh, Alexia, her sister. I think those, they're fantastic in these roles. Um, and so I, I, I like the movie. Um, I don't think it, it hit me in, in quite the same way it did you, Noah, but I still uh, would recommend it and give it a solid three out of five. Who's next? Sherry, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Habsies, five out of ten. It's it's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. Um, I think... It really didn't hit me in the I'm gonna puke way. It didn't hit me in the ah way. It didn't. It didn't really make me react in any of that. And I know we're not really just going off of that kind of stuff. Uh, the storyline is is pretty good. There were a lot of questions I had though. Um, the acting was fantastic. Uh, the world I don't quite understand, and I think that was part of the problem for me. I was kind of confused about the world building here. I don't know if this was supposed to be the reality we all live in or some other worlds. Um, and so I guess that was kind of my my issue. I don't think anybody else has to have that issue. You guys can go down your rabbit holes if that's what you're down for. But uh, for me, I was like, what is, is this a dystopian like world? Or like, why, are, why is everybody doing this? Why is this something that's happening? Um, and, and is cannibalism a hereditary trait. I just, I think I was a little bit confused by the world building, but I understand the analogy and that's kind of what made it awesome um, and why it had redeeming value because I do, I do see the, the analogies that are being put forth. Um, but yeah, I, I loved um, uh, not just the dancing scene uh, because I, it, it did seem like what my teenager days were, you know, like I, I had been raised in this giant Christian bubble. I was only allowed to listen to Christian music. I was only allowed to watch Christian movies. I was just raised in this bubble. And then, you know, salt and pepper came into my life and, you know, there's me singing in front of the mirror about shoot, badoop, badoop, and <laughs> like sex stuff that I don't even understand. And I'm dancing and singing to it. I don't even know what I'm singing about. I've never experienced these things. I don't understand them. I'm singing lyrics to songs that I really don't understand especially when it came to you know some of the overtly sexual r&b hits of the 90s that i would sing along with i had no idea what i was saying um but i did know how to move my body in a sexual way and move in front of the mirror so it was like i was dancing to very sexual stuff not understanding sex and i felt that from that scene and it seemed super real to me like i felt that like i've experienced that and um 
So there were there were those powerful moments like that that just kind of hit me like, oh, I'm glad I'm not a teenager anymore, <laughs> and I understand parts of life. Um, so um, the the last thing I want to say about this is uh, there was there was some talk about adulthood being dark, and I did bring that up, but in a way that's what makes adulthood kind of cool. Like you figured it out now you've gotten past that really awkward stage and it's like, yeah, it's fine. I get a little chunks and we're fine. And our sex life is interesting, whatever. Like, it, it, I don't know. It just, it felt, uh, I don't, I don't know if I agree with Noah that it's like positive, but it's not in my mind negative. Um, I think it's just like an embracing of the weirdness of getting through our awkward teenage years and transitioning into adulthood and nobody understands adulthood everybody's still trying to figure themselves out i don't care if you're 55 you're like i don't uh, am i an adult i, I guess I, I pay my bills so <laughs> i'm still trying to figure out what shoop to dupe means so i'm right there with you. <laughs> i don't know what that song means uh so yeah um yeah it's awkward it was it was an awkward sit through. I watched it again and it was awkward again. And I was watching it with other people and they were making these faces like yeah. <laughs> you know, like those cringe faces. So maybe this was maybe we should have rated this on a cringe scale. I don't know. Yeah, the office being like a 10, you know. Yeah. Interesting. Uh do you want me to go Ben or do you want to go? Oh, no, I can go. Um, yeah. You should definitely save yours for last and close up. Cool. Um, yeah, all right. So I honestly, I I think I, I enjoyed this more than either Jim or Shara. Um, maybe not as much as no, but I guess we'll see. Um, starting with the rating, I guess I'll just go ahead and throw a rating out there. I, I do think this is more like closer to a four out of five, I think. Maybe in a, maybe even just a little bit higher, but it's uh, not to nitpick too much. So let's just say four out of five. That's That seems fine. Um, you know, one of the things that we didn't even talk about, I think, during during this episode is just really the interesting camera work in a lot of ways. Um, and there were some really great scenes that I think that they they employed with with Justine sort of like struggling. Um, and a lot of times it was like when she was trying to sleep and the sheets were there and there is different scenes of her like either, you know, scratching or like awakening to this this impulse, this urge that she has. Or like there's even the sort of like the um, culmination of that where it looks like something is attacking her from above. Um, and just the way that they shot that on like, kind of like an even pain with the bed, uh, with you, like you're right there with her felt incredibly personal. Um, she felt like, like her soul is essentially like bared. I, I feel, I, I don't know. Like it, it was really interesting. Like the, the technique made that, made that, I think like emotionally, um, like powerful, you know, I don't know. And they, they've done this in a couple different scenes where just like the camera is super low. You're kind of like on more like a bed level or a knee level. And you're just sort of like looking across at what's going on. Um, when she's kneeling at the fridge, whenever she's about to get her Brazilian, whenever the sheets thing is happening, just like the, the techniques there, I think were, were absolutely fantastic. And it's probably because that's not an angle maybe that's used a lot. Um, it's obviously not like to the extent that like a Gaspar Noe does like, like just weird shit with the camera to make you feel disoriented. It's just like, it's like, it's like slightly odd. I don't know. It's like a weird placing of the camera, I don't know. but I thought that was really interesting. So like there's, there's technical merits to this film too, that we really didn't touch on a lot, like, except for like maybe the music. Noah, you mentioned that, that there's like a transition there and you can kind of get a, a sense of like the progression and the evolution of the film through the music. And that's really great. Um, yeah, I mean, just like the, the the masterful use of meta metaphor, just for its own sake, I think was was really well done. Um, even if it was a little bit like blunt, I feel like it kind of had to be to to sort of communicate the point because 
yes, we want to see that the cannibalism can also be a placeholder for other things. It's interesting on and of its own, but there's other stuff that could be switched out for that. But if you go beyond that, even like maybe it's not just about sexuality, maybe it's not just about this or that. Well, it's really kind of like a prism through which you could see any number of uh, impulses and, and evolutions and changes that are kind of like a a really good fit for this this story that I think we all share. And that's the other thing, too, is that I think it's a story that is common among a lot of people. And so it's it should be easy to grasp and understand and sort of like empathize with what's going on in this movie. Um as I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's almost like mundane the level at which this seems such like a normal experience, except for we're talking about cannibalism. Um, so I think that's just, I don't know, that's that's really interesting. But to take that even one step further, I do think that it's archetypal almost at a Jungian level too, because like you, the 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 real draw here and like the real end of the story is about understanding that shadow within yourself understanding the inner darkness that you have and then not really like fighting against that not repressing it not letting it take over but understanding it's there and accepting it as a part of the comprehensive person that you know is on the inside there's more than just on what's on the surface there's more than the expectations that other people have of us there's this other stuff that bubbles up too and you have to learn how to deal with that and so yeah, I mean, look, there's there's a lot of really interesting things going on with this movie, and so that's that's why I have to give it at least a four, at least a four out of five. And I'm tempted to go even maybe like a four point five, but um, bare minimum, it's a four. I guess maybe just depending on the day. <laughs> yeah, so fantastic, highly recommended. Yeah, uh, you hit the nail on the head. I I liked, I like the idea that it's uh, it's about accepting the thing within you and not necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it's a middle ground, I think, between. I, I don't want to paint the picture that this movie to me was about a totality of embracing who you are at the end. It's really about the struggle to get you there. Um, and I, I think that's, uh, I think that that's somewhat present in your analysis, but I like that. It's a, this movie really is a kind of middle ground. And I think it was meant to be a middle ground. I, I, or it was meant to convey a middle ground, but to take you to extremes, you know, virgin, vegetarian, meat eating, sexual cannibal on one end and to see the struggle between those two polar opposites uh and see what you find in the middle um one of the things i forgot to add is that jim really quickly we skipped well we talked about this very quickly was about the idea of men being emasculated in this movie and sort of a hyper feminist uh way to look at this movie the women pee standing up in this movie remember that scene i, I that's there there's something I, there. can i can yeah. i throw something out about that uh i've actually attempted that with friends uh yes alcohol was involved and yes i can As aim really fucking far and that is a thing that girls can do and it's one of the things that when i watched the movie that felt kind of real uh because some can and some can't and it is and she even said it's about pushing really hard and making the stream hard and i'm like Mm. Yes, that's exactly the technique. And it's it was so funny to me because that is probably the most authentic part of the film. I know mm. that that sounds really stupid, but I was like, that's exactly how a girl can pee standing up. No, I was going to ask for you to continue and say more <laughs> about this deeply uh, interesting <laughs> issue. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, but you know, it is it is an example of, of two women being standing up, and I, I we talked about the men in this in this movie being somewhat emasculated. So I, just, I thought came to me well. In, in the midst of you guys' uh, closing out, I feel like there's something there. Uh, maybe for the maybe for another time. Um, look, I love this movie. Uh, that's why that's why Justine is right right there right there behind me. That's her. Uh, and to me, like Justine is representative of something like coming to terms with that other side of you that's often hidden below, and that's fairly vague. But you know, be it carnal, be it sinful, depraved, or just utterly wicked. 
right? I'd like to think of Justine and, and really the mirror scene in which she's dancing and just moving her hips around in particular as an invitation to occasionally bring to the surface and maybe even embrace that one part of your nature that you usually try to keep down, right? Um, that is what I took from this movie, but that is also probably because that shit that's going on in my head. Uh, at least it was at the time I watched this, there was a lot of stuff going on. It's It's been in that, it's been in my world, right? as a person um, post deconversion. And so I'm, I'm, I'm primed to see maybe this movie that way. But I'd like to think that that's, that's what it did for me. It made me think about those things. Um, so I gotta give it points for that. It, look, basically what I'm getting at is join us at the next Deadly Analysis Meetup. We'll be engaging in cannibalism, sodomy, acid, snuff, all of that. Embrace that side of yourself, guys. That's all I'm saying, and give into it. Hair. Yes, and pubic hair. Thank and you, Jim. Standing Thank up, you. yes. Yes, I, we're, <laughs> we're just gonna go for it. Holy shit. I'd give this movie a four and a half out of five. Uh, don't cross streams. That's what Byron said when you're peeing. Don't cross streams. Okay. All right. Well, this, uh, this was a very interesting podcast tonight, uh, people. I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I four out of five, uh, four and a half out of five, rather. Um, this, this is one of my highest ratings just because I think it hits all of the, well, it doesn't hit all of the, it hits a good amount of the things that make me like a horror movie, it takes something pretty basic and simple, and it's even heavy-handed. Maybe even part of a criticism of this movie is that sexuality, and I think Ben hit this earlier, is that it's very, as a topic, is very blunt. It's very obvious, very overt. It's a body. It's two bodies. It's it's sexuality. It's very, you know, it's very overt as a metaphor, and this film has it. Um, but uh, it, it's about a transition. It's about change. It's about the uncomfortability of moving from one side to another. And um, not even like just the transformation. So there's tons of horror movies that are like that. American Werewolf in London, we see a guy in one of the most horrific transitions. Whoops, sorry about that, I muted myself. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't classify a movie like that, like American Werewolf in London, where we see the, the fella transitioning into a werewolf as the same sort of thing. This is more of an internal transition. This is, there's external components, but it's an internal transition, right? And uh, that's a scary thought in and of itself, but when you throw in the sort of subgenre of cannibalism and you sort of mask it, hide it, cloak it in that sort of subgenre, it just becomes an overall interesting film, overall very uh, profane and vile film. I had no idea that songs, like that one song that's going on when she's looking into the mirror, that that's a real song that actually exists. I watched the music video for it and I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Um, so I don't know. Like there's something to be said for a little sympathy I, for the devil. So can I yeah, tell you about that song from yeah. IMDb real quick. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, so this is from IMDb in the scene where Justine dances in front of the mirror. She is listening to the Gothic rock rap duo Ortiz. Uh, I may be mispronouncing it. O R T I E S a band made up of two sisters who often rap about men in the traditional way which men rap male rappers talk about women. Which, Hashtag feminism. Hashtag feminism. I found that to be a really interesting feminist reversal uh, as you were bringing up that song and, and how that um, thematically fits with the rest of the film. I, oh, can I just can I just throw this out here? Like uh, I, I can't remember the name of the person who said it earlier in the thread, 
Um, they were talking about how this storyline, they, they saw an interview about this movie, that the storyline was actually about how it's taboo for women to be sexual. And that was probably the, the underlying thing with the, the female sexuality is that it's taboo for women to be sexual. You know, that's, that's for guys to do. And there might have been like some flip reversals of those kinds of uh, stereotypes to try to make things taboo. Uh, I do like the idea that it did that it did something like that. So maybe that is actually you just saying that makes me feel like that is probably accurate. It probably is about role reversals and uh, the idea that it's taboo for women to like having sex and like having orgasms. Well, it's the objectification too of the other sex, right? Because right, she says in the song like, "I like you when you're cold, like when you're cold and hard." Like there's if there's a lot of like you're 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 an object right like you're a thing to me it's very like yeah oh man we could talk about this for hours fuck like that's what i didn't know that i've actually. upgraded to a six yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't know you're that. upping oh, your yeah. rating yeah i'm upping my rating okay. to a six adjust Got it, it. <laughs> that shit's interesting uh, <laughs> make the spreadsheet yeah, yeah, mine's now a 12 out of 10. This one wins, Jim. Uh, yeah, wow. Uh, That's hey. just what every girl wants. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every every girl wants a 12, guys. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jesus Christ, we have been all over the place. I This has been a very fun podcast. Um, so, uh, next week, we're doing uh, Cam with a Cam girl. So, one of Shayra's friends, hopefully able to join us who is a cam girl and we're going to be doing the horror film cam that i think came out 2018 uh which will be pretty interesting so join us for that i'm going to be on vacation but my lovely co-host here will be taking over and uh i think the week after that we are doing a clockwork orange and then i gotta make the schedule so uh if there's like i said if there's any other movies other than martyrs other than martyrs that you would like us to do deadly analysis folks uh let us know let us know in chat uh, check us out on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's great seeing you guys tonight, uh, tonight uh, Byron, Alex, a whole bunch of other people tonight. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you guys uh, next Sunday night when Game of Thrones is going. You know, plan that the right way, didn't I? That was my fault. Mother's Day, Game of Thrones. That's great, Noah. Good job. Uh, but anyway, yeah, join us next week for Cam. We will have a Cam girl. So there you go. Men, if you're watching. Women, if you're watching. We're going to go down a road we shouldn't go down. Join us next week. We'll see you guys for Cam. Have a good night. Thanks for watching.